Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach podcast. We are back from a very short hiatus, in my opinion, um, maybe longer to some other people. In football years, minutes, hours, it's probably a long hiatus, but we're back. Um, I am JP, and I'm joined by the, the man chuckling in the background there, Pistol. How are you? Doing really well, JB. Looking forward to being back behind the mic, breaking down the whole weekend's worth of data, scores, everything, basically. It's uh, been a, a fantastic you know, week of football and eye tests. I'm going to give everyone the heads up right now. This is not going to be a short podcast. It is going to be lengthy. Um, essentially, what we're doing is we're going through each uh, game that has been played so far, the nine pre-pre-pre-season matches. Um and we're going to go through a little bit of the stats, but I think between Pistol and myself, um, pretty much all of the football has been consumed, and uh, we just have a lot to talk about from what we've seen and what we've gathered from the, the statistics as well. So there's a lot to discuss. Um, I'm going to leave nothing out, <laughs> hopefully. That's always always easy to say that. Um, first, of all, first of all, Pistol, I've got a, a question on Twitter from someone who's just asked... Yep. Where have we been? <laughs> I don't know where you've been. No, I, I know where I've been. I mean, firstly, I've been in the middle of moving states, so that's been exciting, but that's obviously been a big life change. But also in terms of Supercoach, uh, we have been putting out a lot of Supercoach content for our Doctor's Daily Dose, 30 podcasts in 30 days, a deep dive on individual players, um, which you can sign up for on our Patreon for a nominal fee every month. 
Um, I think it's like just over a dollar a week or something like that. And uh, you can straight away access, you know, like 10 plus hours of content on players. It's been enormous. But uh, pretty much, JB, we had our thoughts at the beginning of the preseason. And it's really hard to change a lot of those thoughts until you actually have hard evidence you know you get your eyes on the prize you get to watch the players you get to watch what you think will happen and see what actually happens and if that aligns and it's all fun and games podcasting i know like content creation is cool and i think for us like we take supercoach very seriously and we want to be right we want to put out something and we want to say this player we think is going to be good and this player we think is going to be bad we don't really want to sit on the fence too much and if i come here and say this player is going to be good or bad and then I just watch it and it's the exact opposite of what I thought and I haven't had time to rectify it and people will listen a week later and they're like but you said this player was good and they were bad it's just not worth it it's not worth it for them it's not worth it for me Um, I'd rather watch all the games which I've done now and then be able to have my like full unfiltered thoughts on a podcast and give you you know hard stats evidence you know it's my eye test that people will be I guess banking on from this podcast and that's what i would prefer rather than just hypotheticals and and talking about something without yeah proof and i guess as as well as um the stats and the players that we might have backed or not backed um also our structure our team structure has probably changed a lot in the last uh, few weeks as we've seen football being played um so it's kind of hard to say hey, I've gone this many plays in defense and everyone jots that down and everyone adjusts their team and in a week a week's time, there's no defender rookies or there are a bunch of defender rookies and it changes the structure entirely. So um, I think pretty much just to be safe, we, we thought we might as well consume some football. Um, the first person out there isn't always the right person um, and we don't want to waste listeners' time and our own time sort of putting out incorrect or like ill-informed uh, opinions. So before we jump into the p- podcast pistol, um, I've got some names to read out. So we have had 165 <laughs> Patreons sign up since our last podcast, and it's not even been that long. I think the, the support this year has just been incredible. Um, we're so, so thankful. I think we're either we're on or over 600 Patreons now. Well over. Uh, it just, <laughs> well it just over makes now, the, JV. <laughs> there you go. It just makes the Doctor's Daily Dose, the, the hours, the sheer hours that we're putting into this so much more worth it. So we are super appreciative of everyone that signed up. I'm going to go through these names, so please bear with me. Um, if- JB, when you said at the beginning of the podcast that this was going to be a long one, did you mean because we've got a lot to talk about or you just have a lot of names to read through? There's there's like 20 minutes worth of content, about an hour worth of <laughs> name reading. Um, so you do, All right, you good luck. I'm going to go uh, take a drink to. break or something. <laughs> go make a coffee and, uh, and I'll get through these names. All right, so we have signing up to our Patreon, B Rad. Billy Wood, Travis Watson, Cameron Green, Monkey Magic, Jeremy Quinn, Nick Vale, Gorillas, the band maybe, Chris Slater, was a UK from the UK, would you imagine? Ethan Brett, Brenton King, Thirty Six Goat, Bo Freeman, Chris Long, Dean Bushel. I think I've read that name before. Um, Big Knackers, congratulations to you. Cameron <laughs> Smith, Ben Lewis, Diane Kent, Big Bad Brisbane Bear. Braden Brett, Baden Brett, even. That's a tongue twister in itself. John Bainey, Daniel Peluso, Ethan, just Ethan. Rob Fisher, Lisa McDonald, Nick Ackland, Noah H., Joe Brooks, Craig Mills, Professor 
Poopy Pants from Captain Underpants. Great to have you in there. It's good, always good when celebrities sign up. Thomas Bram, Mr. Worldwide, Pitbull. Oh, my Lord. I don't even know these guys jump in. Um, Aaron Story, or Story, apologies. TW1G, interesting name. Your parents hate you. Maybe, maybe it stands for Twig. Ben Doyle, Geordie, Todd Byron, Alex Zamet, Sam Brown, Nicholas Musso, Michael Taylor, Andrew Norgate, Plum Bob, Mark, Jay Kamish, Adam Barber, Cam, Sebastian C, Vinnie Plunkett, Leon, Leon Hickson, Liam, Shane Hage. I sound like I'm separating names now, but that's the same name. Same ha- Shane Hage, sorry. Uh, Russell, Notorious PIG. <laughs> that's a good one. Fred Smith, Nige, I think is the, that person's name, just Nige. Um, Chriso, Jaden Lorbsch. <laughs> He's getting, he's getting harder. Rasputin, not not a not a, um, a culturally correct time to be putting Rasputin in. I don't think. Keith Thomas, King Chip, Lee Fry, Andrew Frost, Dave McFarlane, Brett B, Mitch Stu, FGFC, Cameron Scriven, Andre Rometta, Matthew O'Brien, Greg Martin, Sainter, Tom, Brett Nickel. Troy Spinks, Matthew Samuels, Mark Samuels even. I'm, I'm making up names. Don's 2000, probably an Essendon fan. Fred Simer, Brody Kiernan, Brett Page, D. Lish, P. Lish. That's outrageous that the, the, those two are back to back. <laughs> That's two different people, by the way. Um, Tim Raines, Ed Wallace, Andy L., Travis, Cam Doyle. I swear I've read Cam Doyle four times. Am I imagining things? Um, Moz... Dan, Ben Morn, Chris Bowden, Gavin Howley, Fryzy, Kickney, Kara, Ryan Smith, Forrest, Nick Fisher. <sighs> All right, just, just clicking onto the next page. Bear with me. Um, <clears throat> doing, Lockie Burns. Doing great, JB. <laughs> <laughs> Lockie Burns, Marcus, Aiden John, Johnston, yep. Brandon Goulet, Liam, Joel Donker, Harry Hancocks, Daniel Pollack, James Crelly, Roger Brook, Timothy Wallace, Daniel Perkins, Mark Tannis, Sebastian Hancock, Michael, Ben Freeman, Missy in Paris, from Australia, Daniel, Scott, Nick Razzo, Ben Reaver, Rob Conway, Paul Leach, Brent, Rob Volpe, Daniel Rafferty, John Mack, Andrew Martin, Norman Smart, Tony Craswell. I can't believe this list. Chris Smallman. Oh, this isn't an app. Michaelmas, John, Gary, Rick Peterson, Sweet Lou, Corey Wilmot, Aaron DeCruz, Damien Mack, Will, Tom Bradford, John Becker, Vincent Popsy, Jim Eglinton, Paul, Luca Torlak, Mr. Tex, Simon McMahon, L.I.M. It's <laughs> clever. Darcy Barber, Vince Cardinale, Rowan Greer, Mingus, Ben White, Stefan Smearden, Nick Harvey, Anthony Joseph, Guy Russo. Going to lock that in. Michael Harmon, Random Hoss, Shane McGill, Benny Yakine, James Dyson, Dylan Scott, Matt Gore and Craig. Thank you all for signing up. 
Thank you, everyone, for signing up. Thank you, JB, for reading out that list. I did not help at all. All I did was think of puns and not say them, so I was uh, very helpful. But no, good job getting through that bunch of names, and thanks to everyone who signed up. I think I've gone cross-eyed, um, but that was good. That, that, that just goes to show the support that we've received, which we're very thankful for. Okay, so now let's get into some content. Let's get into the podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, JB, before you get into the content, oh, my Lord. just a reminder that we, uh, that we run a tournament right from the beginning of the season, the last man standing competition. We'll be doing it again. It was massively successful and fun last season. Essentially, you have a certain score that you have to beat every week to stay alive. It's usually the bottom X amount of people that are in the tournament um, will be eliminated. And everyone who joins before round... I think it's round two. I'll have to double check that, so don't quote me on it. Uh, we'll be able to join. So just wanted to put that out there before we get right into it. Thanks for putting out Pistol. You've always been good at that. So we're going to jump into the actual content now. Thanks for everyone who's stuck with us through the longest um, housekeeping section in podcast history. Um, essentially, what we're going to do is we're going to go game by game uh, through the, the series so far. Only a certain amount of games have Supercoach scoring on them. We're going to do those games first uh, and then address the games afterwards. I guess it's kind of easier to relate something back to a, a Supercoach score um, when we're talking about it. So that's how we're going to begin. So the first cab off the rank is Essendon versus the Western Bulldogs. Um, firstly, I'm going to discuss the the, the good scores. Um, Jackson McRae, Josh Dunkley, um, Bailey Dale as a trio there. Uh, first of all, you've seen this game, I imagine, Pistol. I think you've consumed most of it. Um, Josh Dunkley, 124 points. How was his role? Are there any concerns? Yeah, so I just want to say as a whole, firstly, I don't give too much weight to the super coach. No, the points. I mean... Right. The role is the most important thing and how they look, if they look fit, if they look overweight, whatever it might be, and that's kind of how I judge them. The score is a one indicator, but it's not it's far from the be all and end all in yep. terms of indicators. But yeah, Dunkley looked elite. I mean, he was getting heaps of midfield time, tackling really well, which is what you want to see. Wasn't afraid to go, you know, go and get the ball. It was not it wasn't like a perfect game to witness because we were missing Bailey Smith. So there wasn't like, you know, the full contingent of midfielders. But it was interesting to see Bontempelli play large parts forward and then he got rested. So it wasn't, he wasn't competing, I guess, with Bontempelli for that midfield time as much compared to last season. And that was a, a shift. Um, and, and that was probably my biggest takeaway or second biggest takeaway from this match, I think, JV. Yeah, um, so, uh, I mean, Bontepelli only played the half as well, so that is yeah. obviously interesting. Um, I think I have the, the centre-bounce attendances here, so um, I don't know exactly how many were. The, the top getter on the ground was 21 with Tom Liberatore. Dunkley had 16, so I think it's actually kind of a good thing that he didn't get all the centre-bounce attendances as well without Bailey Smith, um, and to note that he can actually score in that forward roaming role where they, they just go up to the stoppage from the forward line I think is a super easy pick this year essentially well it's one of those picks that it's makes or break your side if you don't pick Dunkley and he goes 130 for the first part of the year then you can never really afford him and you have to you have to make a move to get him in before you know round five or round six because you'll just be eating too many points so even if you don't like the pick that much um, as Chizo has said plenty of times you can't 
win Supercoach in round one, but you're definitely going to lose it. So I love when you yeah, coach. Yeah, feels like one of those sorts of uh, picks for the year now. Bailey Dale had 120 Supercoach points. I know we're not exactly focusing on Supercoach points, but um, he had five kickouts, which was the most for the game. Caleb Daniel was the next most with three um, for the Western Bulldogs. So I think it's... it's I wouldn't say it's clear that Bailey Dow is going to lead. I think it, it might be closer to a 50-50 split. But what do you make of, of this performance in the preseason? Because I think a lot of people um, put him firmly on their radar after this game. Yeah, Dale played unbelievably well. I mean, he's been a young guy that's been a beautiful kick of the footy and that just looked like what he was going to do. Can he take his game to another 10 points per game? I'm not super sure um, that's possible. I mean, it's not like he has a lot of clangers and it's easy for him to score those points. The only way he's getting those points is if he increases his possessions per game. I don't know if there's any reason except natural improvement for him to increase it, but certainly in, in terms of his role, um, there shouldn't be a shift that would you know make that easier for him. And Bulldogs are only getting better. I don't know if that is also a positive or a negative for Dale if the ball's going to be more or less down there if they're going to control it more whatever their game plan is yeah nothing stood out to make me think that there's going to be an an extra 10 points you know for Dale to crack it with the big guns in the back line yeah and I would definitely recommend for those considering Dale to go look at his uh, scoring last season even when he did get the role um, I recall this distinctly having had him in my team uh, in the pouring rain against Geelong. Um, I'm pretty sure he was even thrown forward for a little bit in that game. Um, he scored 50 points. And in fact, I'm certain he was thrown forward for some a little bit of that game. Um, plays for Bevo, scores, scored 50 points. His floor is still really low. I don't think he's the type of player that you'll really miss out on if you don't start. Um, I think he'll become available during the season. But um, at the end of the day, if you're picking a breakout contender, I, th- I think he also he's, he's right up there considering he's now had a preseason in that role um, and Caleb Daniels fallen a little bit out of favour um, with the kickouts and, and just that role in general. So um, I, th- I definitely think it's one to monitor. Adam Trelaw's next. I think I know the answer to this question, but he looked very good in the game, um, did get a handful of CBAs and full-time uh, split. He had nine CBAs for the match. He scored 93. He, he looked super sharp, but I think it, it kind of says it all with his dream team to super coach ratio, and it says even more when you look at his durability, I guess. <laughs> look, Trelaw was unbelievable, and it was nice to see. Obviously, as a Collingwood supporter, a big fan of Trelaw and wish him all the best and success, but in terms of super coach, great game, but he had the role that I think Bailey Smith is going to have this season. I mean, Hunter was parked on the other wing, um, I mean, the three of them will kind of share the wing half forward and well, Hunter won't share the inside mid time, but it's just going to be slightly, his role is going to be slightly worse during the season than it was in this match. And whilst he definitely has the potential to finish as a top six midfielder, you also need to take into account his you know, injury risk. And he's had a lot of soft tissue injuries in the past. And I think when you factor it all together, I just don't know if his price makes a risk worth it because it's not like particularly cheap. I think he's like 480K-ish. So it's not like a 430K where you're like, oh yeah, you know, could finish top six in his line. It's 430Ks. He's still pretty expensive. So um, for me, I'd still be leaning towards the pass, but I'd love to get another look at him next week anyway. Yeah, I think getting a look at him next week with a full team um, would be super helpful. I, I don't think there's a world in which I start him just due to that injury history, but there's also a world that all the other forward premiums fall over each other. So um, definitely one on the on the 
further back on the watch list, but he's still there. Um, I will note McRae and Bond. Uh, Bond only played half the game. Uh, McRae played a full game. Both of them looked excellent. I don't think there's any concerns over what they're going to do this season. Um, and I don't think there's any concerns over their role either. So I thought I'd just throw that out there before we skipped over them. Um, I suppose Caleb Daniel... Well, I mean, the, I have concerns over Bontempelli's role. I don't. I mean, I think he'll play more forward than he did last year. They pretty much said that he will in the preseason. Um, he said it himself that he's going to play more of a forward split than he did in the past season. I don't know if that will push him into like DPP status, but I think it just might lower his ceiling a little bit um, from what we got last season. So it's definitely a watch uh, for me. And I think it's enough that it would rule me out of choosing Bontempelli as a starting pick. I think he's a 115 regardless. I just don't think he's a 120 plus like all, all the time. So... That's the only reason I've sort of that. That's where I put him, and, and if that has changed down to a one ten, then I agree. But for me personally, I don't think he's changed much on my radar. Fair um, enough. Next person, <laughs> Caleb Daniel. If you wanted to discuss, maybe Tim English, but I'll, I'll leave those two options to you. I don't. I don't think they're super relevant. Uh, I'd rather talk. I think about Arthur Jones, hundred and seventeen k defender and forward. So he's got that nice swing. Um, Look, didn't play much. I don't know if he'll be in the round one team. I would doubt it. But if he plays really well again next week, then I guess we could consider it and talk about it more then. But I just wanted to flag his name because I thought he looked pretty good, like a bit classy. I don't think he'll be a big super coach spoiler, but that, that swing is really good, especially when there's so many other options we're looking at that also have forward and um, defensive DPP. Mm. Um, I'm going to move on to a rookie from the other side. Ben Hobbs had seven CBAs for the match. Um, only 21 Supercoach score, but not hugely important. What did you make of his actual game? Do you think he's going to be one to score points this year? At an yeah, I actually... Well. I, I liked what I saw from Hobbs. Now, before you judge him too harshly, he only came on, I think it was the last quarter. So it, it wasn't like a... He played the whole game and couldn't get near it. He, to me, I thought he looked very solid. I think he showed enough in that time where I would think he's going to get an early season debut within the first probably six weeks. I don't know exactly when, uh, otherwise that would be great for Supercoach, but um, I definitely will watch him again next week, assuming his names, and he's still on my radar um, and I, I could see myself going into the season with him if he looks really good next week. Yep, he'd have to have a good game ahead of him, but that's fine. He's very yeah. capable of that. So um, a couple of 102K rookies that just got added into the game, Tex Wanganing and I'm just going to go with N Martin because I don't know his first name. Um, both, Martin, of them, yeah. both of them scored 45 and 47 respectively. Martin, the slightly lower score there. Um, we've already heard from an Essendon coach that Wanganin's probably a little bit behind where they'd like him to be and um, potentially might be one that builds into the year, um, gets him via VFL form. Martin, on the other hand, I think is, is a slight chance to play. Um, I think there's room for at least one of them in the side um, in that, that small forward role. So Martin's a bit taller, I think. But um, what do you make of this? Obviously, I, I think it kind of goes without saying whichever one's selected, we just lock into our team. I, I don't know if it's as simple as that, purely because Tipper's back in training now um, yep. for the Dons. So I don't know how... The, I mean, the worst case scenario would be we, we pick one of them and they play round one and get drops, yep. right? Yep. And then yep. they don't play for the rest of the season. You've got this 102K, not great loophole. 
and that, that's a pretty bad situation and it's it's on the cards here <laughs> uh, I think we need to very carefully track uh, Tipper's return to footy and I guess judge them again next week but look both of them scored pretty well in their game time I mean Tex obviously in the quarter 47 points and as much as a coach says he's not ready to play I mean if he comes out and he kicks four goals again in the quarter uh, I'd want to see which coach is going to stop him from playing football if he's just kicking you know, eight goals in two quarters so uh, it's definitely on the cards that either of these guys I think could play round one but it's not kind of worth it if they're not going to have an extended period of time in the team I've got three more guys to mention on the Essendon side before we get into the major talking point first of all Zach Merritt um, a lot of talk that he was going to be behind the ball uh, this preseason I didn't see a lot of that. I don't know if, if no. you saw a lot of that. He had 21 no. CBA, so um, I think that's the, the thought of Zach Merritt being defender eligible. He's gone. Um, I just think he's the worst counterpart to this guy, Darcy Parrish, uh, who also had the 21 CBAs. Oh, sorry, Parrish only had 15 CBAs. Um, I think the Parrish is just the better player in terms of super coach scoring and, and just the... The guy that if you were going to go a little bit left field to the the big guys, that um, I think he's a decent option in that sense. You just have to sort of watch for the tag, I guess. I thought Parrish looked really, really good. Like, disregarding his super coach score, I was really impressed with what I saw. I thought he looked, you know, as good as last season. I don't think he's going to slow down at all from where he finished last season. In fact, it could, could be even better. I would feel pretty confident in selecting him, even if he didn't have, you know, leading CBAs for the Dons. I mean, he, he would still start half forward and end up, you know, in the stoppages anyway. So, um, yeah, totally viable pick, in my opinion. Nice. Um, just want to mention Andy McGrath um, played in defence, scored 115, looked very, very good behind the ball. Um, one to earmark for a potential uh, DPP change. However, it's probably best I get this off my chest now. I don't, think I don't think there's a situation in which we ever recommend starting someone based on potential DPP. Um, it would have to be an extreme circumstance um, for us to be able to sort of confidently say that. So um, obviously not a starting pick, but just one to monitor throughout the season. And then lastly, the, the main guy, the man with the plan, Jordan Ridley had three of their five kickouts, six kickouts. I don't have the score in front of me. Um, it was about that. He had about 50% um, from what I recall, 104 super coach points. I, you know my feelings on this. It's kind of plastered all over Twitter. I want to hear what you have to say about Ridley. Yeah, so he had three of eight apparently. Um, so still the most for the Dons, but it was very evenly spread. And if he's not getting, you know, 60%, I think... Uh, the upside kind of isn't there given the first month he scored so well with you know 80% kickouts. So I guess it sucked all the value out of the pick. He's priced very fairly. I think he'll price he'll score what he's priced at, probably 100. So not like a bad pick, but I, th- yeah. I think there's probably better upside picks in the back line. Yeah, and that's what I agree with. I think there's, there's about three or four players that I really want in defense, and Ridley's just not one of them. Um, unless he showed that he was going to get those high kickouts, in which case he'd be very much locked into my side but he, he's just not and he is very reliant upon them for just the really large ceiling uh, consistently good scoring so a lot of people have mentioned his role change with Kelly coming to the side but he didn't really play lockdown 
much last season. He, I think he did it three times, once on Heaney, twice on Green or something, um, or the other way around, twice on Heaney, once on Green. Can't recall. But essentially, he, he only scored over 115 points one time after losing that vast majority of kickouts. So I just think the kickouts are too important to him for his ceiling and his floor. And 100 average is about right, but we're going to discuss um, options that are similar, if not better. So um, yep. did you have anyone else you wanted to touch on before we move on? Yeah, big one. Uh, Jai Caldwell, I saw, was in a lot of teams leading into the match, and he looked rubbish. Yes, Um, true. A a complete non-selection for me. Only two CBAs. Uh, Played a bit on the wing. His role was awful, and he did not look particularly great. I think it's enough, even from one game, that you can move on from that hope. I think that's that's he's dashed those chances of starting our Supercoach side, regardless of his price. So, yep. and we're going, to, there. we're going to talk about someone in the Brisbane game who is a far better option. So, <laughs> and uh, Baldwin um, from Essendon as well, um, another rookie. I think has potential to play round one, but same job security concerns. So, have to see how he goes next week. Yep, perfect. So, we're going to move on to the Carlton versus St Kilda match. A little bit to unpack here. I think it's worth mentioning Steele's name, 115, kind of irrelevant. Um, I think he should just be locked into most teams, which you agree? Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm scrolling through their list here. They don't have a lot of relevant players. <laughs> um, someone usually jumps out to me almost immediately. I suppose we should talk about Jade Gresham. Uh, I think a lot of people are still holding hope that he's going to be a good selection this year. Uh, look, I don't... I, I like Gresh. I think he's a good player. I just think he's best... Um, used outside of the CBAs, especially coming off of a real serious Achilles injury. He only had two CBAs for the game. I think that number would have to be closer to 10 plus for us to even consider him. So um, I I hope he crossed himself off of a lot of lists there. For sure. Did definitely cross off mine. Uh, Hayes is another one. Um, So he's the the cheap... um, St. Kilda Ruckman who... who How cheap, JB? Sorry? (laughs) How cheap is he? Um, well, he's not in the game yet. So <laughs> it's very cheap. I'm going to assume he's 102k <laughs> though. Uh, how did you see his game? Uh, if you were able to watch this one, look. To be honest, I don't think he's going to play when you get Marshall and Ryder back in the side. However, 102k, I assume he's going to get forward ruck DPP, and he still has a slim chance of playing. I mean, that seems pretty good to me. The pop is your R3, so. If he's named at 102k, I think he'll probably find our way in our sides. Jack Sinclair, the last one that I just wanted to touch on. Uh, I, I, I see him popping up a little bit on Twitter. $479,000 defender. Um, scored 121 Supercoach points. Did look good in his defender role, but uh, when the real stuff starts, I think Sinclair is just a little bit behind the competitive eight ball uh, when it comes to game yeah. in, game out. Yep, no, totally agree with you. On the Carlton side, though, JB, there's quite a few names to talk about. I think uh, we could just start right at the, the top of the list. And straight off the bat, Chera, 108 Supercoach points for Carlton. How did you see his game? Uh, look, I, th- I think Chera's a good, talented player. Um, I just think he's too expensive for what he will be. Um, he had 14 CBAs, which is great. I'm not sure how Sam Walsh's return affects that. But 490k, he'd have to be about 100k cheaper for me to even consider him because yeah. I, I can't see him going 115 plus, which he would kind of have to go in that sort of air to be really worth it as a pick. 
And then someone who is 100K cheaper than him, George Hewitt, 99, mm. but he's, he's got that defensive eligibility. I saw him pop up in a lot of teams immediately after the game. Um, what's your take there? Hewitt's really difficult to assess. Um, Hewitt's the type of player that I would love to see uh, with Sam Walsh and Ed Kerner in the team. I don't know what happens with Ed Kerner. I believe he was playing in the VFL scratch match, maybe a little bit underdone. Um, hopefully, Ed Kerner lines up this weekend um, and we can get a bit of a better idea. He had 14 CBAs, which was second highest on the on the Carlton squad. So, look, he, he scores well when he's unleashed. Um, I don't think he's going to get tagging roles if Ed Kono's in the team. It's just you're relying on role and you're relying on Walsh to not heavily affect that. Um, I would I would sort of, I don't know if this is sort of a hot take, but I would say he's the fourth midfielder on the side, Cripps, Chera and Walsh being the first three. Um, George Hewitt next in the, in the midfield. I think that's okay, but not enough for me to punt on 400k uh, for him to be a premium for the entire season. Yeah, I think that's a pretty cold take. Um, <laughs> I think most people would, would assume he's fourth or fifth. I mean, Matt Kennedy's been in decent form as well. So, okay, look, sorry. For him to be a successful pick, I would think he'd need, you know, probably 70% CBAs just so he'd get his scoring potential, you know, around that 100 mark um, down back. But honestly, it's going to decrease when Walsh comes back. It, that's He's meant to come back in the first month. If... Hewitt's CBAs drop down to between 50 and 60%, which I imagine is where it will fall. I can't really see him getting out of the 90s and probably around ni- like closer to 90 than, than closer to 100. I think so, there are worse picks. I, I don't hate the pick. I, th- I think if you're back in the upside... I will go as far as saying that he will be the Tom Phillips of this season oh, wow. in terms of super coach overperformer in the preseason and terrible pick for... The actual season. Okay, I don't think he's that bad. Um, someone who is that bad is Patrick Cripps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, did you like that segue? Nineteen CBAs for Patrick Cripps, ninety-eight SuperCoach points. He's four hundred and fifty-four k. A lot of people are getting around this resurgence from Patrick Cripps, but um, at the end of the day, I couldn't describe a player better than to say if he is back in a hundred and fifteen plus average form. I will happily, happily pay 200k to lock that in around the buys. I there is no way I start a 450k Patrick Cripps in my side. He has been that awful in the last two seasons. You would have to have not seen them in the last two years to be contemplating this pick. I believe. So I will say, as a positive for Cripps, he looked. The best I'd seen him in the last two years in no, terms wait, of wait, how his stop, body was moving. Stop right now. Stop right now. We all had Cripps in our team after the first practice, the pre-pre-season match last year because he looked the best that we'd ever seen. He scored about 120 <laughs> in that match, remember? Then he looked super, super slow the next week and And we all dead. took him out of our teams. And it's just, I've seen Cripps be good. And he's ob- he's obviously a good player. I just don't think he's going to translate to super coach maybe ever again, which is sad. But when that day does come around that I'm proven wrong by Patrick Cripps, I'll just pay up for him and I'll, I'll give the trade. I think he gets banged up too badly and his body can't survive the rigors of AFL very well. So I can't see him up like lasting the whole season in terms of games as well as at an average that's suitable for super coach. It's just, it's very far fetched. And as you said, I'd rather pay 
the price later. It's not. A, I don't think it's a goer, especially all these Carlson players. I think they got the round twelve by, or it's. Uh, it doesn't doesn't give you any anywhere to go. It's not like it's a failed pick. I'll I'll get rid of them at the buy and trade them to someone who's had their buy. If they've if they've got the first buy rounds, you're completely exposed. You have to trade in somebody who's still going to have the buy as well. So you don't even get value there. Don't pick Cripps, please. Um, I'm going to go to a left field pick now, Pistol. Um, please. He's someone who's been blowing up in our admin chat on the Dr. Supercoach <laughs> page, Mitch McGovern. 256K as a forward. I never thought I'd be discussing this man. 71 Supercoach points after a, a what was widely described as an uncomfortable first quarter uh, where he was really just putting the game together from a new position. 71 points following that. I think he has the potential to be one of our backup, backup forward cheapies, mid-prices. Well, the positive is he'll definitely get back status. So that's a guarantee this year. Um, Look, his first half was awful. He was truly awful and then he was good in the second half and he put out 71 super coach points so if you're you're playing that badly and you put out 71 super coach points i mean it's possible i'd love to see him do it again next week i'm not ruling him out as a pick Uh, i think it's worthwhile adding him to your watch list for next week and we can probably discuss it in greater detail if he looks like he's an option so yeah sharp eyes from kane in our admin chat for that oh i I don't know if it was kane i think he gives credit to uh, he gives credit to another, but I don't want to. I don't want to name the other in case I then get it wrong. I think it was either Nathan or um, Josh. But anyway, anyway, um, I'm going to discuss Good a stuff, couple Kane. of. <laughs> I'm going to discuss it. If it was you, Kane, I apologize. A couple of rookies, uh, Corey Durden and Brody Kemp, both at slightly elevated prices. Durden in forward for um, 143k. Kemp in defense for 156k. What did you make of these two? Because um, Kemp, I know he's got defender status. I believe he played as a medium tool in their forward line. And yep. that to me is a ugly role. Um, he scored 43 points. So probably actually what we can expect from him. Durden scored 57, however, a bit more lively. What did you make of his game? So Kemp was too deep forward. I could rule him out straight away. I think he'll play, but I, I think he was going to, Average terribly in Supercoach at an elevated price. Yep. Cross it off. Um, just to rule out Boyd as well, who's listed uh, Jordan Boyd, 123k right, defender. Yeah. He just his disposal was woeful. His first couple of kicks Doherty's were terrible. Pop him out of the team as well. I think Doherty is rumored to play next week. In which case, Boyd's out anyway, so we don't have to talk about him. And so Durden, Durden's one of those players where he's fringe 22, and he could play and. He was getting up the ground. I think he, he took quite a lot of marks. I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me, but um, I think he had like 15 touches and five marks or something like that. So there was enough there where I, again, will add him to the watch list and he could be a pick. Um, I'd love to see him again and I'd love to see him against a tougher opposition than St. Kilda as well. Wow. Do uh, you know St. Kilda won that game by like 95 points, right? Uh, yeah, but... Okay. It's no, just sorry. about how he get was able to get up the ground and take the marks and stuff. I think more settled and structured, you know, back lines might be able to stop <laughs> stop that from happening. Okay. I'm not talking about the scoreboard. Sure, yeah, sure, sure. Um, we're going to move on to the next game: Melbourne versus North Melbourne. Uh, a little bit going on here. I'm going to start in the 
Melbourne side of things. Firstly, Max Gorn um, and his CBAs, I think, is very interesting. So um, Gorn had... I can't, even, oh, I can't even find him here. There's, there's that, okay, well, Ruckman aren't listed on my CBA list here, so that, that's great. But essentially, I think it was about a 50-50 split with uh, Luke Jackson on the CBAs for the match. Um, still went forward, still did okay forward, still scored 138 points. Um, I, I think a lot of people are concerned, and he doesn't versus North Melbourne every week. That's a team I can make a joke about, not St Kilda. Um, he doesn't versus <laughs> North Melbourne every week. Uh, I, I, I think it's still interesting about Gorn um, because I do think he's overpriced. I don't think he's going to average what he did last season, but he's still very, 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 very good. He's a great super coach scorer, and I would be surprised if he was anywhere outside the top, you know, three averaging rucks, um, but it's possible. And I mean, I, I, I'm quite sure he's overpriced. So I would say if there was a viable other alternative cheaper starting Ruckman that was like a cash cow, that would be great. But I'm not sure there is any more after this weekend. So I think a lot of people will be just locking in Max, Maxi and you know not having to worry about the position for the whole season. Clayton Oliver, I don't know how much you want to discuss here. Maybe, maybe we talk about him more in our structure um, later on. Uh, I think him versus Took is, is on a lot of people's minds. We'll we'll bookmark that for later and discuss that then. Um, obvi- I, I did want to say though, yep, Oliver looked amazing, unreal. Yeah, he's like, very good. Better, I don't know. Somehow he's he's his like spread was better. His burst speed looked a bit better. I, I don't know. Maybe he's just getting older and he's just getting still better. I didn't think he had more like athletic chops in him, but he was really really good and not talking about his opposition just the way he moved I think it was slightly better than last season so I'm kind of scared how, how good Oliver can be scary is definitely the best way to explain it um, I think that's it for the Melbourne side um, unless you wanted to touch on Petrarca maybe but I think he's no, he's much of muchness um, for the Kangaroos, uh, Jack Siebel led them with 114 Supercoach points, picking up where he left off last season. Um, I think he's probably going to start the season with a bit of a surge without Aaron Hall in the team, but um, we all know when Aaron Hall comes back, he's going to just slightly affect him enough to not be worth that hot, uh, lofty 585k price tag. Would you agree? Yep. Totally with you on that one. Perfect. Um, I'm going to move on then to Taron Thomas. Uh, forward mid has a lot of wraps on him this season. Um, good young player who, who did get quite a few CBAs last season as well. Um, he scored 81 super coach points and found his way into, uh, sorry, uh, find his name, 16 CBAs for this match. Um, the leader was Hugh Greenwith with 25. Um, so not far off the pace as a full-time uh, CBA midfielder. Only the 81 points. I, I find it interesting, the discussion between someone who his ceiling relied a little bit on goals last season, but now he's sort of rumoured to get more CBAs. I know that they were missing a lot of players for this game, but um, I just think it's interesting on how people think that split benefits him as, as good as they think it does. I guess it's interesting. All right. I'm going to say something controversial, I guess. Maybe it's not controversial, but it's more, I'm not sure people... My reaction will tell you if it's controversial or not. Sure. Okay, so for this game, <gasps> it was really hard to Sorry, take anything early. from North Melbourne. Yes. Because they were missing Simpkin as well as uh, LDU, as well as Jed Anderson, right? Yep. I think that's a given. Cunnington However, too, we don't know when he's back. Yeah, so 
they're, they're missing these guys. Um, most of them are going to be playing round one. They're clearly in their best, you know, CBA couple. I don't think that the representation that we got from this game was an accurate representation of the CBAs in terms of preference of players in the middle. I think Will Phillips, who got 18, and Tom Powell, who got 16, they got more than Taron Thomas, who got 16. I don't think you just put Simpkin in and say, Simpkin now gets 25, LDU now gets 20, therefore Will Phillips gets 10, Tom Powell gets 10, and Taron Thomas gets 8. Like I don't think that's yeah, how it works. Okay. I think it will be a direct replacement of Will Phillips's 18 goes out for LDU and Tom Powell's you know 16 goes out and Simpkin gets 20, whatever it is, and Taron Thomas gets a little bit less. So... I've, I've seen some people take out Taron Thomas because they're like, well, he's behind Tom Powell and behind Will Phillips yeah, in I the agree CBAs. Yeah, I agree with this. I don't think it's true at all. So I, I'm glad that you said he's going to get you know decent CBAs because I, I do think he's going to find himself at around between 40 and probably 55% CBAs, which is an increase on last season. And he's got that natural improvement. He's a great player and definitely think he's one to watch and potentially start. Let's see how he goes with a full contingent of midfielders in front of him um, next week. He could certainly average 90-plus in the forward line. I'll just throw to a couple of North Melbourne rookies then to end off here. Um, Horn Francis, 12 CBAs. I think that does get impacted by the returning players a little bit. I think he probably I think, dips down to about Can we discuss 10. that further? Because I, I don't want to... Okay, which I'm, uh, talk, I'm I'll, talking I'll about say, now. I'll say he's, he's he scored 83. He looked amazing. He's safely in my side for now, um, but he's one that I do think benefited a little bit from the guys missing out. But you go. I think that 12 goes down to like four with down those guys back. I think he gets absolutely decimated. His CBS. This mm. was a perfect like test run. He got to play against Oliver and Petrarca and all these people. Well. I think I, I'm going to split the yeah. difference. I think it goes down to about eight. I just, I, it needs to be like Simpkin and LDU are going to get more than Phillips and Powell. I guess it can come a bit from Greenwood, which is probably fair. But uh, if yeah, Jed definitely. Anderson is back as well, like I think that cuts into Horn Francis. I, th- I think he gets a significant reduction in CBAs. I think Horn Francis is already a better CBA midfielder than Jed Anderson. I mean, totally. Uh, and, and younger. <laughs> it's probably and a better footballer. I, I just, I just, yeah, I honestly just think. I don't think Jed Anderson's as much of an issue as what people are saying. And I think the, the CBAs are down to like seven or eight, but that could be enough for 70 per, per, per se. Like he's a good player already. Um, oh, I thought he was one. good and he got 83 with yeah. those CBAs. Yeah. So like in a game that he's not good with less CBAs, he's going to put in the stinker. I think uh, Juan Francis is not... I wouldn't say is a hundred percent safe no, selection. He's I, not I, I see he's a not lot a of people. A lot of people are like, "Well, he's the number one pick. You just pick him and put him." He's not a high possession getter. He averaged fifteen and a half touches in the sample. He's certainly someone who could put out like a forty or thirty score, which is not good for Super Coach. I think it's more. Let's see how he looks next week with all the midfielders back, and then get a fair assessment. If he, all the midfielders are back and he still gets the midfield time, then by sure, hundred percent guaranteed lock. But for now, I'm. <laughs> He's in my side, but he's not like a lock in my side. I yeah, think it's an yeah. important distinction to make. Um, lastly, Gota, there's 17 points. I didn't see a lot of Gota's game. Um, I heard that people, media mostly were pumping him up as, as fairly 
safe back there. Um, when I say safe, as in like he he didn't turn the ball over. He he just did what he needed to do back there. Um, however, I, I don't think he's in the best twenty-two with Aaron Hall back, and I, I just I think he's just a little bit off of it um, to start the year. So I, I don't think he's going to be an option. I think his first kick was on the full or something as well. But off the top of my head, it was pretty. <laughs> It was a pretty um, rough start for him. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to play now either. But um, Paul Curtis, I think, might play JB. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a good super coach role. Uh, small forward for North Melbourne is potentially the worst role in the entirety of super coach. So 117K might play. Only scored 21 and kind of feels like he could average sub 30. So I'm not like super keen to start him. <laughs> yeah, another one to just see how he goes next week and zero expectations, happy to be surprised. Um, I think that'll do us for that game. Uh, I'm going to move on to the Port Adelaide versus Gold Coast match. Uh, we're going to start with the Gold Coast Suns. I'm going to say the same thing as I did with Oliver. Took will be discussed a little bit later in comparison to Oliver. Um, but he didn't do a single thing wrong. He looked like the best player, second best player on the ground, um, and and just ran and ran for days. And I think he's just he's going to be better in the season. So um, safe to say that Matt Rowell, on the other hand, um, despite putting out 118 Super Coach points due to his contested nature, um, he I, I just found struggled from when the ball was cleared out of the center until the next ball up essentially. So um, when we're not expecting anything from someone around the ground, we kind of need him to break into a 105 average. I think he's capable of that. So I I don't want to shoot down the pick. I don't think it's a terrible one. Um, But people selecting him as a potential keeper, I I just think are getting their hopes up a little bit too much. Yeah, temper the expectations. Um, Raul, to me, the first quarter was good. I thought... He was leading to space and maybe they didn't kick it to him and he wasn't able to get those uncontested possessions. Uh, But honestly, after that, he tired quickly and he was a bull around the ball, don't get me wrong. But he's not good at getting uncontested ball. I think he had 18 possessions and 15 contested possessions. So he doesn't have any outside game whatsoever and that really limits the upside of the pick and the ceiling of pick. And he's only 342K, so he only needs to really average about 95 to make you 150K. So he's certainly within the realms of possibility of doing that. I think he's going to be a good enough cash cow. I just don't think he's going to be you know, a keeper all season. So if that's the reason you're picking him, I think you definitely need to temper your expectations. Gold Coast are interesting. They've got a couple more guys to discuss. Lockie Weller being yep. the next one. Um, he led their kickouts as I uh, scroll. Oh, 11 of them. them. Perfect, <laughs> thank you. Um, 11 of their kickouts. Will Powell's next with six. Um, and I think a few of them were while Weller was off the ground. Uh, with 11 kickouts, Port, Port obviously had, I think it was 19 behinds by the end of it. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit of an elevated score and, and maybe didn't find the ball around the ground as much as I would hope for someone in the quote-unquote Aaron Hall Role. Um, I don't think he's quite of that stature, but I'm far from ruling Weller out as an option at 400k. Um, he could be a potential 100 to 105-ish average if he plays this role well enough. And um, he, his raps have always been yeah close to Weller enough. Um, his raps have always been on his kicking. Uh, so I firmly believe this is where he should have played. Um, from the get-go in his career, and and now he's sort of just getting that time. Unfortunately, he's already a forward mid, and it's obviously not a major con, but 
the fact that he won't get full defender status was a little bit annoying to me when I when I saw that. Yeah, it is really annoying. But yeah, totally on board with what you said. I need him to I need him to get more of the uncontested possessions. He barely had I think he had two marks for the game. So it's just he didn't get it enough around the ground for me to want to pick him, but that can change next week. If if I see him get, you know, six to eight marks, I would feel a lot better about the pick kick uh, about the pick because then he's getting a lot more kicks. So that's mm. that's what I'm really going to be keeping my eye on. I think Will Powell was also very good out of the back line, and they weren't. It wasn't like they were always looking for Weller, like they always look for Aaron Hall um, for North. So um, maybe with, Will with Powell, Powell could be there, the, the Jack Zebel to Aaron Hall's. <laughs> maybe, um, maybe. <laughs> um, I've got a couple of rookies to quickly to discuss on Gold Coast side. Alex Davies had a couple of really good goals. One from about 60 metres out after a 50-metre penalty, uh, after the siren, mind you, and another one on the run as he as he got fed from a teammate. He But he only had 11 disposals. Um, I know we got up to 96 Supercoach points. We kind of need him to get some CBAs during the actual season. He's 200K. If he was any cheaper, I would, I would be really hot on him. Um, but I just think two goals a game is super unsustainable. And if it's just the 11 touches, the score's probably uh, closer to the 60 mark. So I just think it's a bit of a worry. Um, a lot of people obviously saw the score and locked him into their sides. Not saying don't get in. I'm not saying he's a bad pick. I would just monitor very closely uh, for this next upcoming match. And then just lastly, Elijah Hollands, um, a little bit underdone, played in the VFL scratchy. I think should be set to, to play in the real um, preseason match coming up this week. So that's another one to monitor. Perfect. Cool. Uh, on the Port Adelaide side, obviously we had the highest scoring player in the game with 167 points. Zach Butters, the man that I tell everyone is impossible to quantify via statistics, but if you do want to be convinced on Zach Butters, please just go and watch this game. Um, he was absolutely everywhere. He started in, I think, three of the first four CBAs, um, but then only got to five for the match. Not a big issue to me. Um, low CBAs in the Essendon match last year, low CBAs in the, the Richmond match as well. Um, I think we were very experimental with our CBAs, and... Um, he just didn't end up in the bulk of them and it, it sort of just pre-season being pre-season, but still showed with a 167 uh, that he's got the ceiling and that he's not being hampered by the injury anymore. Tick, tick for Zach Butters. Um, Josh Sin, how did you see his game, uh, Pistol? Because I'm going to struggle to talk on him uh, from an unbiased perspective, but I thought he was very good. So just f- quickly to rewind for Butters, for anyone yep. that's picking like Trelaw or Heaney or anything over Butters, go watch Butters first quarter. In this match, just dedicate and then and then tell me who you who you want to pick and then just multiply that because he he was unbelievable and I think this is this is Zach Butters and they lost so like yep. this is Zach Butters now <laughs> uh, he's just yeah and unbelievable he's a work of art at the moment <laughs> um, so I thought Sin was really good in terms of like his kicking ability composure. Um, I thought he did some very nice things. He scored 55, I think 55, 60 is probably how he'd go um, yeah. in a you know proper Supercoach match as well. You know, a bit of an elevated price, maybe a little bit of a slow burn. Um, definitely 
did enough that I think he can play round one. I think you're probably more familiar with uh, Port Adelaide side, but do you see, is there a spot for him firstly in Port Adelaide side for him to play round one? I think he's overtaken Mead already, which is a bit sad for Mead. Uh, and I think Mead is probably battling with Sam Powell Pepper. So um, I, I think Sin is likely to play in, in the round one squad. He's been so good. I think his first four disposals just about were direct turnovers. And, and since then, he didn't put a foot wrong. He, he really... Um, really found his feet and, and played as as one of our better players and pretty much from after the first quarter. So um, after the nerve settled, he was amazing on the on the field. So um, Jackson made more of the fifty fifty to get in for that round one side, and Sam Hayes is our other rookie is completely dependent on Scott Lysette being injured, which um, I think we heard today he's a chance to play in the next preseason game. So probably no Sam Hayes in the first few few rounds at least. Yeah, it's unfortunate about me. Just I think Sam Palpepper's had his measure in this game as well as in yep. the intra club. Palpepper was slightly better as well than me, so I'm not feeling super confident. I've I've got him on my side, but I'm like, what am I going to do now? I'm going to have to get rid of him. Yeah. Uh, I'm also I'm thinking he's also that that perfect sub, uh, which people forget that we do have a medical sub in 2022, and I would not be surprised if it was me for like many weeks, which is not good for his cast generation either. So. Yeah, it's probably a dead rookie, unfortunately, at this point in time. But yep. maybe one to throughout monitor, the season. One to monitor yeah. still in the next preseason game. He could work his way back in. He is extremely highly rated, uh, spoken about as much as any other rookie or second, third-year player on the list. So I'll be interested to see how he goes uh, in the next preseason match. Now, we've got a big one here. Brisbane versus Adelaide. This is going to take up a, a little bit of time to discuss. There's a lot of players to dig into on this one. Um, first of all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with Brisbane. I'm going to start with Lockie Neal. Do I need to say anything about Lockie Neal? He he should be in every side, I think. He didn't really get like the bulk forward time that people kind of whispered. I mean, he got very minor forward time, but when he was in the midfield, he was just unbelievable. He looked back to Lockie Neal from the last couple seasons. I mean, he had 144 Supercoach in this one, and that's <laughs> he looks like he could do this. You know, I'm just going to turn up on my Saturday. I'm just going to play this well. I'm going to go home. That's kind of the vibe I got from Neil. So he's a, he's an absolute lock. Absolute lock E Neil. Um, I know we got asked about Zach Bailey on the Twitter. Um, I think this is a bit of a misleading game. Um, I'm trying to think of who they missed besides Zorko. Um, it might have just been Zorko. But it was it, just Zorko. Yeah, essentially he, he played really well. Um, he, he looked fine, looked good in the role. Um, I just don't know if I can trust him to consistently score well. He had 13 CBAs, which I think drops a little bit with um, with Zorko coming back. Besides that, he, he I suppose he just did everything right, didn't he? He has to be a watch for the next match, but um, he's still behind a couple of other forward um, sort of lowered premium options for me. I think a lot of those premiums around the same price tag. We're talking the, I guess, I'm, I don't know why I'm mentioning Heaney so much, but Butters, um, Dugowie, Taron Thomas, I feel like all of them are just slightly better picks than Bailey is. I mean, we're, it's hard to take too much from this game because Adelaide looked absolutely atrocious. So kind of just beat up on a really bad side. And I know he'll do that during the season. But role-wise, yes, he got some midfield time, which was great. And I do think he will improve. I just don't know if he'll improve like more than the others will also improve. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Cam Rayner, another one on a lot of radars, 278k. 
um, as a forward. I could not have been more turned off by Cam Rainer's performance. I know the, the commentators were trying to will it into existence with how he was playing. It, it just unfortunately wasn't quite it for me. Um, he, I'm trying to look, he had 41 points, 41 super coach points, and he attended, let me, let me find his name, 12 CBAs for the match. Um, that's just not ideal. I think um, I think he's gonna he's gonna be a little bit more forward than CBA mid. Um, I think he looked okay, just fumbly, and just doesn't get enough of the ball on the spread either. So um, also not a huge tackler. So he, he just doesn't quite tick enough of those boxes. Um, hopefully he builds into it as the season progresses and and you know turns out a good player. But um, I just I kind of put a line through him after this match, pistol. So did I. He looks strong through the hips and like hard to take down in the tackles. But uh, I mean, he probably scored ten in the first half and like thirty in the second half, and he looks much better in the second half. But still, only scored thirty points. So I'm like, what's yep. his upside? Is he going to play like two unbelievable halves and score a hundred? Maybe, but then he has to like maintain that. I just don't see it for somebody who's kind of you know can. He's just like a massively hot streaky type of player. So yeah, I, I think. It's a super, likely super coach pass unless he completely does a 180 next game. But it was nice to see him run around the middle, and I think he'll be a solid contributor there throughout the season, but just not a super coach pick. The next one I have here is Darcy Wilmot, uh, obviously missing the first game of the season, so not an option. I think he did play well, hopefully, a downgrade target for us as the season goes on. Um, worth a mention that Kitty Coleman did not play, and I think he should be high on everyone's watch list for the next match. Um, I am upset. Uh, that he copped a one-week suspension and he will yeah. not play. Okay. Um, <laughs> Come on, pay it. No, I, I saw it coming I, I, as, as soon as he started it. Um, I do want to say in regards to Coleman before we do see him play, last season, Daniel Rich took 60% of the kickouts for Brisbane. He took 100% of the kickouts for Brisbane in this game. Um, Birchall took 30% of kickouts last season for the entire season. I think Coleman sort of getting groomed to that Birchall role might be first in line for that 30%. Um, so definitely one to watch. If he gets a few kickouts a match, um, I think he could potentially be one of the better cash cows for the season, Pistol. Well, if Rich gets them, then uh, keep your eye on Rich in the next game. <laughs> if Rich gets 100%, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? Um, well, in a good way, double-edged plushy sword. Um, <laughs> it, in, in the sense that if Rich does get them and he gets 100% of kickouts, then absolutely he should be firming for a, a higher spot on our radar. So um, I think that's all from the Brisbane side of things. I'm mm-hmm. going to move on to the Adelaide Crows. First of all, uh, get excited, Crows fans. Josh Rochelle was unbelievable. He kicked a few goals, looked silky. None of the goals were gimmies. Um, a, a set shot from about 50, um, a shot on the run, and then a, um, a closer shot from a slight angle. So um, 85 super coach points for him. He played himself from not even in consideration in my team to um, getting Connor Rosie vibes from his debut season. So um, I think Rochelle can just be one of those impact players. He's going to score well when he when he gets on a roll. Um, probably going to score poorly when they get absolutely schlacked, which they actually did in this game, so maybe not. Um, but when they get smashed uh, and he doesn't quite have the game. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Going, he's, he's going to score poorly, but hopefully it's a predictable um, up and down season from Rochelle. And he looked amazing. He was pushing way higher up the field than I expected. I thought he'd be stuck more camping in their forward 50 just because I didn't think he had the body like for AFL, but there was times where he was almost at the half back. He was pushing so high up. So yeah. he definitely, you know, was playing as a forward. He was just pushing up the ground to get a couple more touches than I expected. So he got a decent amount of the ball. He kicked goals. He pretty much, it's pretty much a perfect sort of debut game, I guess. Um, and he's, he's definitely in my side at the moment. Yeah, in my side too. Um, I think it's worth mentioning a couple of Crows players. Um, Andrew McPherson, 300k defender, took a, almost all of their kickouts, um, scored 134. He looked amazing. I remember thinking at around halftime, uh, McPherson's been absolutely dominating. Um, and the stats showed that. He, he was taking intercept marks, he was rebounding, uh, and he was on their kickout. So 300k, I think he's worth keeping on the watch list for their next match. Uh, just quickly, Matt Dude, Couch, didn't play though. Yeah, so we'll yeah, see. definitely. Um, Matt Crouch as well, 482K. Couldn't have played himself further out of squads, I hope. Um, 81 Supercoach points. Just looked like he... The, the Supercoach scoring game, I think, has just gone past him. Um, and if you're expecting anything more than a 105 average, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And then Rory Laird played well. Um, 95 Supercoach obviously keeps getting CPAs. I think he'll be good this year, but as a good um, upgrade target... And just lastly, Jake Saligo, um, and there was another one as well, Peddler. Um, so Saligo started the game on the wing, which was great signs. Um, he scored 31 Supercoach, which is not too bad, um, but he, he just looked worse than that. I think um, he went missing for 10 minutes at a time at least um, and sort of spread his touches out just too far apart. So when Dawson comes back, um, Seedsman comes back, I think it's he's going to find it difficult. Yeah, Miller as well. Um, Peddler at the same time somehow looked worse. Um, even got a few CBAs towards the end. Uh, just completely invisible, unfortunately. He's got really high wraps, but I've got no doubt he's going to work his way into the team at some point this year through the um, sandfall and be a good downgrade target for us, but not one to start. No, definitely not. So a couple more that I just want to quickly touch on. Yep. Uh, for those that were looking at starting Ben Keys, hoping he was an ex-Jack Steele-type breakout, uh, think again. He's not. Uh, it, looked like, it looked like Keys actually had lost part of his midfield time. He was starting at half forward flank and running up to meet them at stoppages. He was not in too many CBAs, only nine um, of the 20 plus of the match. I think there was 23 in the match. So 
yeah, definitely that's a role that I think they might persist with as well. So, yeah, cross him out. And lastly, JB, um, what did you make of Mitch Hinge's game? He's 184k uh. defender. He scored 79 super coach points, which is good. But, yeah, how did you see him? Right, very good call. I did miss uh, Mitch Hinge, former Brisbane Lion as well. Um, okay, so I think he started the game, the first half, um, and this is kind of my fault as a spectator. Um, I watched his first half. He was very, very accountable, um, almost borderline lockdown on his uh, forward target and and didn't sort of have the freedom to, to leak off at all or to even go for a run. So I kind of put a cross through him in the first half However, having been told about 100 times and going back and watching it, um, he actually played more of a half-back role in the second half of the match So, um, and, and a little bit of wing as well. So I think he's definitely one to keep monitoring throughout the next game. He is elevated at 180k um, currently in my side, but I think it's, it's just because I like having the higher-priced rookies so I can go down rather than have to go up towards them. But... Um, look, there's every chance that the the ball's just down there enough, and he's playing a, a lucrative enough role that um, he he scores fine and, and makes money at 180k. I it's hard to read, right? Because his role will be directly like his score will be reflected based on what role he has in the side. And now you've got Dude coming back, who's you know plays a bit taller, but. Duday's also a good interceptor, which means yep. does Hinge play more lockdown and Duday? And then you think, well, Dawson's back. What happens if they put him in the back line? Um, it, it's hard as well with the volume of players coming back in that side. I mean, I feel like Hinge is on the borderline. He's, he's probably in the best 22, don't get me wrong, but I think he's in that like 21st, 22nd type spot, which means you know a bad performance or two and you've paid up for a rookie who's then dropped in rounds three or four so it's not even a guarantee to make lots of money if he gets dropped Uh, at the moment i think after this performance you'd have to put him on your watch list because it was just a good super coach score and the second half role was good but let's see how he goes next week unfortunately it seems like dawson's ruled out of next week so they won't have like a full contingent to pick from but we hopefully get get today back yeah yeah and we'll know a bit more about about the pick next week. West Coast versus Fremantle is the last game that we have Supercoach scores for. Uh, I'm going to quickly flick through the Eagles. Firstly, Campbell Chester unfortunately did a major injury. He's going to miss um, the first half of the season, so we can rule him out. Um, besides that, there's not a lot going on. I suppose there's a few borderline guys. Brady Hugh played some minutes um, as, as a rookie selection, um, I think Connor West is now facing an injury as well, so he's kind of ruled himself out of our sides. Uh, I mean, everyone's injured. Elliot Yo is also injured, um, and so is Dom Sheed is also injured. So, um, <sighs> look, I, I think it's very difficult, but in positive news, I think their preseason match will probably be one of the most interesting um, to see who sort of pops up and, and takes up a few of these roles. Um, I think we're bound to get at least one rookie out of this situation. So, um, oh, surely we're bound to get a Hugh. Yeah. That actually, that, no, that, that was actually good, that one. Um, and, they, and they did sign, I cannot remember his name. It's similar. It's, I swear it's a H name as well. Hugh Dixon. Yeah, there you go. Um, so The Milky Wizard. The Milky Wizard, Hugh Dixon. <laughs> um, <laughs> please. 
so yeah, there's a lot to watch. I think West Coast are probably one of the most interesting teams to watch in the next preseason game, and then not watch again for the rest of the season. So um, Fremantle up next. Firstly, Andrew Brayshaw, 584k. Um, is is are we really scared of him getting tagged? 139 points. He looks like he's going to absolutely break out this year. Um, not in my team, mind you, but he's he's going to be special. I think. It's it's interesting because Fife is meant to come back next week, and Fife keeps saying he's going to be playing more more midfield this year. And if that's the case, Brayshaw is not getting tagged anymore. And he did cop a couple tags last season, unless they decide that Brayshaw is just too easy to tag and they pop people on him. But you'd think that with Cherigon, his usage is going to go up, mm. and that only bodes well. Another year older, improving. I mean, I definitely see him increasing his average from last season. Will it be enough to be matching it with the big boys? That's that's the million-dollar question. I think for me, he's already 580K. I actually think he, he can match it and probably does join that 115 range. I, I think I'll call it now. I think that's going to happen. However, he's 584K. There's no like upside in selecting yeah. him when he's already that price. So There's no I'd point being the first the on. I think he's yeah. one to just strongly monitor up until the buys. He'll be this price again. At some stage of the season. 100%. Um, Caleb's wrong the next one, 451K. I've seen him in quite a few teams projecting the breakout. Um, Obviously, I think it goes without saying that um, the CBAs aren't really going to increase from last season because they're already astronomically high. It's the role that's changed, going from a defensive tagging midfielder to an offensive midfielder. We saw it for the... Well, not the first time because he did it towards the end of last season. We saw it for the first time this year, though. Um, in this game, he scored 113 points. Look, nothing would shock me less than if Caleb Strong averaged between 105 and 110 this year. Um, I just, at that price, 451K, I, I just don't think he's he's a selectable player. Well, I mean, look, he is, but um, I think there are players above him for me. I'd I rather mean, go up or down. It's the same price range and same kind of predicted score that people picked Taranto last season and then complained about it for the whole season until they could ditch him during the bye and some couldn't ditch him and they were upset about it so it's just kind of like fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me type thing here I I do think he's a better pick than Raul but Raul you can bail out with 150k profit and that would be totally fine because I just just think with the the injury proneness and just how good Sarong is, I think there's enough evidence to say that players that pick Rao, players that pick Sarong, I think the Sarong owners are going to be a little bit happier um, percentage-wise. I think it points to that, but it's... I would, it, it I'm going to go the other side of that, although it's close, but I, yeah. I'm going to go the other side of that. Fair point. enough. I just think at least, at the very least, the conversation is there. Um, we're going to move on to Will Brody, 224K, really played himself into contention for not only the Fremantle side, but for a lot of our sides as well. 120 Supercoach points. I think it's worth noting, obviously, that he had a ton of um, CBAs. He had 19 for the match. Um, should Mundy and Fife return to the CBA rotation, I think that probably he's probably one of the first ones to drop. In fact, he is probably the first one to drop. Um, but it, it's interesting nonetheless. Um, I, I think if he does play, we'll get enough out of him at that price. Um, we just have to hope that he doesn't get dropped, I think. He's the 22nd, 23rd guy probably right now. Yeah. So it's going to be tough. I mean, we say every year you can't play Monday in the midfield because you need to play the youth every single year. And this new guy named David Mundy keeps playing in the middle and dominating. So 
at some stage Mundy's not going to get any CBAs. I don't know which year it's ever going to be. Probably in like forty years from now. But yeah, until then, it's really hard to predict the Fremantle lineup. It's hard to predict where Brody fits in in the side. There's just a lot of question marks. I'm really hoping they play their best 22 next week and Brody still gets a lot of midfield time and does really well because then I'll feel pretty confident about the selection. If he goes badly next week and you know his role looks bad, then he's going to be so far, so quickly out of my sight. Similarly, uh, Nathan O'Driscoll, I think borderline best 22, but definitely uh, could find his way in. He did himself no harm this week with an 89. I know um, they got a favorable win over west coast um but i I think he's just really on the borderline Fremantle didn't exactly play a full list of players um they were actually pretty reserved with how many players they played so i'm hoping with whatever ins come in next week o'driscoll survives and if he plays well i I would be surprised to not see him in round one i think tucker's injury has been really really good for o'driscoll because tucker isn't like absolutely locked in to the 22 and I think O'Driscoll can find himself in like a purple patch of form he can hold probably Tucker out for a little bit if uh, O'Driscoll looks really good so I'm hoping next week O'Driscoll looks very good and then we're like okay we're going to get a couple weeks out of this kid because 123k with DPP just is really really nice so I've got very high hopes um, you know of him performing well high ho hopes for a living would you say Speaking of, um, I don't know, jumping high, there wasn't really a segue there. I'm just going to go for it. Uh, I do want to touch on how Nick Nui looked. Uh, I thought this was one of the best, fittest Nick Nats I've seen in the preseason. He was moving around the ground very well. I think he got like 15 touches or something as well. So using the ball is always... I mean, sorry, gathering the ball is always good for a Ruckman. For Nick Nat, uh, that is even better because he just generally scores really well. Uh, my biggest concern is with all of the midfielders going down for West Coast. Who's I don't know how it's going to get... Yeah. How can he tap it? How can he get hit out to advantage when there's no one there? He's going to have to hit it out and then pick it up himself. He, he <laughs> might. Because he's done it before. Yeah, I mean, he's going to have to do it every single play because he's not going to want to pass it to anyone else. So... Yeah, it's uh, a bit of a worrying signs there, but in terms of how you know good he looks, he looks in very good nick. Okay, I'm not even going to pay that one. Um, I'm, I'm not even going to pay that one. You need to put an accent on that one. Um, so I'm going to move on to the next game. So this is one of the games that we don't have Supercoach scores for. It's Geelong versus Richmond. Um, I'm going to start filtering through the Richmond list. So Dustin Martin, I think, is, is a large talking point. He had 69%... CBAs for the match, 100 fantasy points, 33 disposals. I don't want to start this guy. Um, he doesn't tackle uh, really at all. He only had one for this match. And despite every Richmond fan telling me that the difference is that he's getting the same CBAs but not running forward, I cannot tell you how crazy that sounds to me as as one of the premier forwards of the competition just not playing forward um, at all, really. So I, I just think... I know he got 33 touches. He probably kicked the ball all around the ground uh, to where his players weren't. He's a very, very inefficient player. Um, I just can't see myself starting him. But good luck to all those who get the, the Carlton score and then um, whatever roller coaster they go through after that. <laughs> so I have some thoughts here, JB. Um, I, I liked... 
physically what I saw from Dusty, he was he was way slimmer than I've ever seen him before. I was actually shocked at how slim he was. My God, he was skinny. And I was like, okay, you know, he's going to have more of a running role. That, that could be good. And Richmond's midfield is decimated at this point in time. I think Lambert, Graham, and Cochin were all out. Yep. So, and, and some of them might not come back for a little while. I think Lambert's a bit far away. I think the others are touch and go. Miss, missing uh, the first week, Lambert, for sure. Yeah. So I think Dusty's role as a midfielder could actually remain. Some of the other forwards looks pretty decent and were pushing up the ground. But I think this could be a role that Dusty has all season as a midfielder. So I'm, I'm far from ruling him out as a pick. I think he's straight on my watch list. My concern and issue for Dusty is that his disposal was so bad. Like he was clanger central and I feel like this would have been one of those games where he surpasses 30 touches and scores less than 100 super coach points. Yep. Like a typical dusty game. And he doesn't even have the goals now to like boost that up because he wasn't really playing for He was playing as a midfielder. So I have concerns over his scoring but in terms of role, it looks good, and therefore I'm going to pop him on the watch list for next week. Definitely on the watch list. And I know I'm harsh on him, but that's just because I hate him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because I owned him last year and he derailed my entire season. But um, we're going to flick to the next player. I think the cat's out of the bag on this one, Jaden Short, um, identified by us prior to this game. So, haha, we got him first. But essentially, uh, he looked incredible again, uh, as he did last preseason. The difference is um, Hurley's not just missing a few games, he's missing a season. He's obviously retired. So 35 disposals. Yeah, poor guy. Recover quickly. He's, he had 35 disposals, six kick-ins um, of a potential, I think about 18. And he just he looked as good as what we would hope. He has the new Hooli role or has the new improved short role, whatever you want to say. Um, I think he is going to be pick of the season uh, in our defense. I think he's super easy. Pick of the season. Wow. In our defense. Yeah. All right. Well, I liked what I saw from Short. I can't really oppose that view. I think the first quarter, he was dangerous. I think he had 14 touches and six tackles. And six marks, sorry. Yeah. So he had, he had one of those... 14 like, marks for the game, 29 kicks. <laughs> he had one of those preseason games, like last season, where he had like 45 touches and 200 super coach points. He, he really... Like that first quarter would have been a 50-plus quarter. I actually think the next two were probably one and a half. He was quite quiet. Um and I don't know, there wasn't really a reason for it. I think that just is going to be the natural ebb and flow. He's someone that can get a lot of the ball very quickly um, and boost his score very quickly. So I, I'm uh, averaging it out over the game. I have no concerns whatsoever. I do feel like he's quite undervalued and um, I'm just looking forward to having him next season. A hundred percent. He hasn't left my tire at my side this entire preseason. Yeah, uh, and the and the six kickout six of eighteen or however many they had, um, I don't think is an issue. A lot of the times, Vlustwin got the the kick and just kicked the short in the pocket. That is the Richmond um, mantra, I think, is to get that extra twenty thirty meters and then um, use that to other hits one on the forty five or punt it up the field. So um, I. Don't think him not having 100% of the kickouts is going to be an issue whatsoever. So um, the floor should stay quite high for short. Um, I'm going to move on. I'm going to just quickly touch on Gibkiss. Um, 
who is potentially best 22, however, um, at an elevated price, not a good role, um, will be definitely be the type of player that locks down on someone. Uh, also, Sonzi played a little bit of time for seven uh, CBAs and seven disposals from those CBAs, however, um, not a lot of time on ground, so um, unlikely to be in their best 22, I would say. Decent, Lastly... Though. Yeah, yeah, look looked good. Um, lastly, Ralph Smith, I think, looked exceptional. 15 touches um, in his game. I know that that doesn't obviously stand out as an amazing game. He had 50 fantasy points. He looked good, though, and might be in line to take that holy role. Um, I think we just need to see the confirmation of that by him either outplaying or being selected over Rioli for the next practice match. Yeah, I'd say I'm not super interested in this super coach score. I mean, we don't have it anyway. I guess it was around 70 in that range. He definitely was playing off the halfback flank. Um, first quarter barely got the ball, and I was like, uh-oh. Um, and then the next quarter, he was just fantastic in the second. So, again, maybe that was because Short wasn't getting it, and they were going through the other um, halfback flank, and Ralph Smith was getting it. But, hey, if I have both of them, then uh, win-win for me. Uh, he definitely is a great price. He's only 206k. He already has DPP though, which is annoying because it's not a good DPP. It's mid-forward yep. status, so he can't get defender status. But in terms of price, the price point is good. The role looked good, kind of like last season's. You know, everyone wanted to pick those halfback flankers, um, hoping they would go you know 70 plus. And this feels kind of like the same thing, just with worse job security. So just need to nail that now. Yep, and had two kick-ins as well for the match. Not overly relevant, but it's good that they trust him to take a couple of kick-ins. Played in from both as, as well, so um, he, he's got the, he's got the hang of it. Um, I'm going to move on to Geelong's side. I'm going to start with Tom Stewart, um, who I don't think a lot of us expected to see a lot this preseason. However, to a lot of our surprises, he is fit, and he got 26 disposals in his um, floating free halfback role. So um, I think it's going to be very much of the same Tom Stewart this year. He even gave away four free kicks and still had the 86 fantasy points. Um, took five of their potential eight kick-ins as, uh, as well. So look, I think Stewart is going to be an exceptional option. I think we have a lot of exceptional options in defense. Um, I think it's only his price that's turning people off at the moment. Stewart, everyone's like, okay, I mean... Me too, in the preseason. And I guess why we didn't really want to talk too much about it was I'm like really worried about his foot, how he's going to come back, how it's going to impact him. It's a bad injury, at least Frank break. But I watched him and I was just, from the first couple of minutes, you're like, wow, this guy is such a good footballer. He is an unbelievable player. The way that he reads the play and puts his, you know, positions himself to impact the play coming is just, I don't know if there's a better... I don't know if anyone does that as well as he does in the entire AFL. Uh, it boggles my mind how good Tom Stewart is. This game would have been 150 plus, and he gave away four, you know, free kick. I guess we'll see because the scores will probably come out the next day. But he he was so good. I can't tell you how good he was. And I was just like, he has to go straight back on the radar. If he is taking five of eight kickouts, which is more than last season because we've had the retirement of Hendo and Tui played further up the field. I mean, if he's taking more kickouts and he's just going to do better than last season, like my brain is exploding. He could be the he could be the, the highest scoring, you know, defender next season and 
I hadn't even considered him before this game. So, uh, yeah, I'm a fool, and he's found his way straight <laughs> to my side after that match. Big raps, and I can't really disagree. Um, it's it's interesting to note young Stevens for Geelong got an injury and won't participate in round one, who we, we thought he would potentially be in there. Um, I think it's C. Stevens Cooper, right? That's Because the, they've got two. Yep. They've got N. Stevens as well, but he's not anywhere near it but essentially uh, there was definitely a Twitter question about Patrick Dangerfield asking if he was a selectable midfielder the answer is no he had 25 touches he looked fine um, however 17 CBAs as well I'll throw in um, but so old there's just there's just too many there's too many to pick from um, even as a forward I think he would be somewhat of a of a speculative pick so <laughs> let, let's just take that into account he's had a few injury riddled years so um, definitely not one to start in your your, your um, midfield this year. And I think that just about does that game. Yeah, look, I was hoping that there'd be more, I guess, super coach relevance. Maybe I think De Koning we could discuss very quickly. He Stank. played... I, 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 again, he's got the forward defensive kind of swing and I was I was hoping he'd be a selectable rookie and he wasn't that good and he was playing like really close checking and I'm like oh no even if he plays he's going to average 30 and I don't know if he's going to make any money it was a really depressing game I think he's going to be in and out of the team depending on the matchups because he's kind of takes that third tall you know it's probably going to be Henry in as well and they've already got uh, Cole Dagny and and Stewart and yeah it's just a bit of a mess with our brookie situation so yeah don't don't mind me getting a bit down at the near the end of the podcast <laughs> and, and it's, it's just not getting better <laughs> so it's incredibly frustrating um i'm gonna go to the next game swans versus giants is what i have here um first i'm going to start with gws I, I just want to put a massive as big a tick as possible next to canelio's name um got a handful not not just a handful a bunch of cbas scored extremely well looked extremely good um, Whitfield as well, bunch of kickouts, scored extremely well, looked extremely good. I think he's a huge. I know he's in forty odd percent of teams, but I still think people are choosing to sleep on Whitfield due to his injury history. Um, and when you look into it, obviously it, it exists. Um, he he gets a lot of contact injuries, but it's not the the re flaring, you know, hamstrings and and quads and and such that. Um, and calves that you really want to avoid. He's still obviously very young. Um, a lot of people would have chosen him at 600k last year, especially with the rule changes. So um, I think 500k on the dot just about is is extremely tempting. And if you go back and look at his season last year, it actually isn't as bad as what you probably remembered it to be. So um, I think Whitfield is a strong, strong defender um, for, for my team. And obviously Canelo, as I mentioned, Pistol. I can't add anything to both of those, both great picks. Okay, so Flynn played the first few quarters of that, meaning the Priest update is a little bit dire. However, he did put out 53 fantasy points in his uh, quarter and a half, two quarters of action. Um, look, if I know they played their best 22 for the first half of the game uh, and then started experimenting, and I know Priest came on after that, that section, which is a bit concerning. I still think there's every chance that he and Flynn play in the same team together um Proust did look capable when he went up forward Flynn we know is capable up forward um and Proust coming off of COVID and a multitude of issues which is a red flag enough I understand um at his price though if he does nail down that role which we'll probably see in the second preseason game I still think he's going to be difficult to resist 
All right, I'm gonna get into it. So we'll go a bit more in depth detail. Um, Absolutely. So I, I had to sit through this game six quarters quarters in quotation marks of this game that was filmed on a potato. So you guys are gonna have to get the information because otherwise it wasn't worth me sitting through that, and it was it was painful. I got motion sick at some point during that recording. Um, so for the first three quarters, Flynn was the sole ruck, and he was not bad. He wasn't great, but he was serviceable, um, quite athletic. So I was like, all right, that sucks. Proust is probably behind him. Uh, Proust came on in the fourth quarter, and Flynn went forward. And I'd say Proust was fine, and Flynn was bad as a forward. Um, and the next Q5, uh, Briggs started as the ruck, and Flynn and, and uh, Pruce played as a forward. In the first two minutes, he'd taken two big clunks, um, kicked one goal one, and then Briggs got a head knock. And, well, he looked concussed, but they said head knock, and he then was out for the rest of the match, which meant Pruce was forced to ruck for the rest of the game. So that's kind of the story of Pruce. But there was, in terms of the bigger picture in how that GWS side lined up, um, they went with Hogan, Himmelberg, and Riccardi. Riccardi, you would think, is the one with the lesser of the job security. He was unreal. Riccardi looks like... I don't remember, JB, if you remember when he like debuted and he kicked like yep. four goals and three yeah, goals and three... He, he was in that form. He's 230K, by the way. But anyway, he was in that form. <laughs> he looks really good. And I'm thinking, uh-oh, they can't drop him. And if they go into the season with Hogan, Riccardi, and Himmelberg... They're probably playing just Flynn. They're not even playing Bruce. So Bruce would then need to be the outright number one ruck to even play. Although Himmelberg looks real bad. So it's potential that they just, you know, split the time between Flynn and Bruce and maybe play Hogan and Riccardi or something instead. So there's options, but it definitely made me, as a Bruce owner before the match, I am now quite firmly away from Bruce because I don't Anti. think he's going to be number one ruck. That's good insight though. I wasn't able to watch this game and I'm very thankful for it. Um, but you just see his score and, and assume that he dominated. So very good insight by you. I appreciate that. Um, considering you did watch the, the game, do you have any comments on any of the GWS rookies? I will also say that he was you know, playing against Sinclair when he was in the ruck because they'd already subbed out Hickey. Um, Hickey. Yeah. And like Sinclair is a terrible ruckman. <laughs> so it wasn't even like a fair battle. Like Sinclair sucks. Sorry, Sinclair. It's just not good. It's not good. Um, so yeah. What was your question? Uh, the GWS rookies. Um, oh, the the okay. Aaliyah, the where, uh, to name a couple. Yeah, yeah. So um, Aaliyah, I thought, was good. Um, good enough that he could debut in the early rounds, but maybe even round one. Um, he didn't have a good super coach role, obviously, as you would expect, as like a key defender. And I don't think he was like a key marking, you know, intercept marking type. He kind of more punch the ball type player. So he might play. So if you like, if we're desperate, I guess there could be an option. Um, Angwin, he he was on the wing. Uh, closest to the camera a lot of the time, if you could even see that far. But he was okay. I don't think he was bad at all. Again, I think he's someone who could debut maybe in the first half of the season. 
Um, otherwise, there was no one else that really made Stood me out. think yep. they're going to get games anytime soon. Unfortunately, I think it was uh, just the main guys that were that were running the show. If I want to touch very quickly on um, Toronto, got more mid time than I expected, but still was split forward, so non option for me. While Green is out, right, and yeah. uh, Josh Kelly was on the wing for like the whole game and didn't get mid inside. If mid-time, you're picking Josh Kelly, so. that's that's like a for me eight time shame on me type of situation. Yeah, sure. no, it's, it's a non option. It's a no go this year. People were interested because like he's had good scoring history in the past, and it's Josh Kelly, and he looks amazing. But he had so much wing time. Um, I just yeah, it's it's a complete no go zone. So for the Sydney Swans, I'll start by saying Will Gould played a limited amount of time and was really bad. I don't think he's going to play <laughs> AFL probably three, ever. Three goals kicked on him by Brando in that time uh, as well. Just about immediately. Um, so n- not ideal. Um, Isaac Heaney, I will say, um, didn't look bad in his role, but Papri is missing a lot of games early in the season uh, with an injury now, so I would expect the role just gets worse for Heaney, and I don't even think he's a great CPA mid anyway, so um, I struggle to get my head around that pick. Uh, that and we haven't even mentioned durability yet. Yeah, so Heaney's first quarter was really good as an inside mid. I thought he looked really good, looked very capable, and then it just fell away. In the second and third quarter, I mean, he, he got pushed forward as you would expect him to, um, but then he just like kind of couldn't get in the game and he, he disappeared. And then he came back for a part in the third quarter on ball and looked decent. And then they pushed him forward again and he just disappeared. But that's kind of what you get with Heaney, right? Like he has these patches of absolute brilliance and he does fade out of games. I've got so many concerns over him in that midfield role. Like does he have the tank for it? We've never really seen him play extended periods of time in the midfield. Is he even a good midfielder? I mean, yes, in terms of good junior midfielder, but I don't know if it's going to instantly translate to an AFL footballer and I just think he's so good as a forward that I, I can't see them I guess wasting that weapon in the midfield not I mean, exclusively it might not be that good yeah I, I agree with that um Stevens took a wing for Sydney scored 74 AFL fantasy which I think probably surprises a few people I think it would have been a slightly um oh, actually the super coach score would have been around that that spot um, I think he played decently, really grew into the game um, as it went along. So at this stage, I don't think there's any reason to not have Stevens in your side, especially if he's locked down that wing role. Um, and then just on Jake Lloyd, uh, didn't take a lot of the kickouts or maybe even any of the kickouts. No, he took um, some. He took, took a few. Some. Yep. So yeah. 82 Supercoat, uh, sorry, 82 fantasy points. I, I think he's fine. I think they're just experimenting a little bit in the preseason. Um, the lad, I think it's Campbell that took the kickouts, right? Yeah, Campbell took the kickouts and Blakey took some. Blakey did the funniest thing that I'd seen in a while, so I'm just going to say it on the podcast for those that missed it, was um, he was taking a kickout and GWS just didn't put anyone on the top of the square. So Blakey's like, you beauty, I'm just going to like run out of the square. And he just ran and he just kept running and he didn't bounce the ball. And then he, got, he ran too far, so they got a set shot from like 30 metres, 40 metres out directly in front and then kicked a goal. I'm like, what are you doing? His eyes lit up. He just ran and didn't bounce. It was so funny. Maybe he had to be there. 
That that's bad though. I don't, I don't know if that's um, if that's any. It good. was so funny. <laughs> I had never seen that before. I was like laughing. I was. It was great. There was a couple I, of really funny things that happened this weekend. The footy. I would expect Lloyd to just wrestle those back um, back to at least sixty seventy percent. Probably more throughout the season. Um, despite Campbell being a really good kicker of the football, I think that's just a confidence thing um, and, a, and a training thing. So. As the preseason should be used for, I've got no concerns over Jake Lloyd. Um, I think that's going to wrap up that game for me, Pistol, unless you've got someone for me. Tom McCartan. Um, right, yeah. Tom I, McCartan. I even Sorry, Paddy his, McCartan. Yeah, I even looked at his name earlier. Um, yeah, go on, talk about it, Paddy. No, so um, McCartan was playing as kind of a lockdown defender, which we would have expected him to, given he had a role change to the back line um, last season. So I think he's going to be in the best 22 for the Swans because he was really solid and they were shaky in that position anyway. They've been shaky there for the last couple of seasons. So he's likely going to come in the round one side. I think he's good enough that he's a good pick for super coach, but not like one that you want to necessarily play every week on the field. I think maybe if he's your like D8, you can kind of, sorry, D six you can rotate with a bench player potentially based on opponent um he's definitely going to have like a 30 score in him as well as like a 60 score in him type of deal but he's got defensive forward dpp which is really handy so at only you know 157k i think he's he's a lock in, in my starting side yeah, absolutely locked into my side as well. So hopefully he can just nail down that role, which I think he pretty much already has. Um, and he's going to be he's going to be fun to watch. I think he's um, it's good to it's a good story to see him up and about um, for any team. So obviously with the way his career started, so that's going to be a fun one to follow. I'm going to jump into our last match now. The poor, uh, the sorry, the Collingwood versus Hawthorne match. I've still got Paul on my mind. I'm thinking about butters. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start off with, well, I might as well start off by saying Grundy looked exceptional. Um, there's no reason to not start Grundy this year. I think he's probably the easiest pick that we've had in a lot of seasons of Supercoach. Yeah. Um, I'll jump over to, let's, let's talk about Dacos and Penderbury in one. So I heard a lot of people discussing Dacos and, and saying, um, they potentially could have been better. He had 17 disposals, um, eight CBAs, which is great. He even snuck in for a couple of kickouts. Um, I think he is the uh, just an absolute lock, guaranteed great pick uh, with potential defender status coming his way. Pendles as well. Um, I wouldn't say they rotated directly. I, I don't know if you have a different view than me. Um, I think he could have been better in the new role. Um, he had 15 disposals. Five kick-ins, but I mean, I think he played on for one of five. I don't think he enjoys the playing from kicking thing, which is a bit weird. Um, and, and just didn't look like he was cap- like he's such a team player. I don't think he capitalized as much as he could have. Um, and I mean, realistically, he should have a lot of the ball because he's such a good kick. Um, but I think he's happy to defer a little bit, which is just enough for me to say, look, there was the potential that I started him. If he looked like he was going 105 and playing 100% defender, um, there's no chance I start him. I, I think he's just one to assess during the year. Yeah, it was it was interesting, though. It was interesting viewing. Um, those stats, Collingwood played their A team for three of the quarters, and then they played yep. their VFL side for the three other we'll say quarters um so it was a really i guess interesting 
match in terms of we knew the roles and the structures of the best 22 from like the get-go so that was pretty cool um i like what collingwood was doing in their midfield they made it really clear that there was like sort of these partnerships of players where they would be rotated in and out of the midfield with their like rotational partner so it wasn't really like the same type of midfielder in the midfield at any one time so for example crisp and pendlebury rotated directly i think that's why their CBAs pretty much add up to the total CBAs in the match. Um, Pendlebury only had two CBAs. Chris was almost a full-time midfielder in that role um, and got a lot of the ball um, in that role as well. Chris so want to talk about, so if you want to segue perfectly onto him. Well, yeah, I guess I was going to talk about Chris with Pendlebury because they were the direct like rotation pair. Yeah. Um, but look... Crisp was, as I said, pretty much a full-time midfielder. Got a lot of the ball. It's hard for me to know what he's going to average just because, like, full-time midfielders scream bulk super coach points, high floor, you know, all the good things. But he's already priced at 105. So in terms of upside, he's not a 115-type super coach midfielder, not by a long way. I don't even know if he's a 110 midfielder. Maybe at best. He's probably 105 midfield. Like he's he's going to fall likely between 105 and 110. And then I'm like, how much value does he really present? I don't know. He's just really hard to get in because he never misses a game and he has a really high floor. And playing as a midfielder, his scores, he's going to shark a big game at some stage. Um, so I think he's a good pick, but I don't know like if he's like, you know, be all and end all value selection. I think he epitomizes um, safety, um, Chris, yeah. in a year where I think we are sort of being tempted by um, the Goeys, the the Taron Thomases, the even Zach Butters has a bit of risk to him. Um, I think players just want to lock in a safe player, and, and Crisp epitomises that. So I think, I think in that sense, he's a very good pick. He'd probably be um, one of my next in line for a defender spot if something happened. Well, yeah, I mean, he's the most, I think what's he's played like 150 consecutive games. So he's like, yeah, the most safe of safe. You know, yeah. types of types of picks. Um, if I could just touch back base, I know I'm I'm kind of going all over the place, but if I touch back to um, Nick Nick Dacos for a second, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So he he got a lot of the ball, but I mean he's an accumulator. We knew that. That's kind of what his deal is. He's always been an accumulator. Um, he he was in. I don't know, probably like just under half of the CBA. So he was there and they did handball out to him. He wasn't the guy that was like going in and getting it. Like Lipinski and Adams were first to the ball, handing it, ball it off to him. Same as Crisp. They were handballing it to Crisp. He was hardly getting it himself, um, not being the first person to touch it. But the thing with Nick is he's priced at like 200 and he's going to get defensive status most likely. So... Getting DPP is super valuable, especially we'll probably be able to keep him all the way to his buy in like around 14, which is like the perfect buy to downgrade him to, you know, um, other players. So in terms of that, he's a massive lock. He's super valuable. I didn't think he was like unbelievable. I think he got a lot of cheap possessions. Um, But you know what? In terms of super coach, he had a good super coach game, I'm sure. So that's all that really matters to me. He's going to score decently in Supercoach. Well, I mean, that's not true because I'm a Collingwood supporter and want him to have an amazing game. Um, yeah, I thought I thought he was just okay. Maybe like good. I have high expectations, but I didn't think he was like unbelievable or anything. Okay, I think look, I'm going to have games. to cut you off. I'm going to have to cut you off, right? This is getting Sorry. into Butters territory. Um, I like talking about uh, Collingwood. I, I, understandably, I'll give you the next 10 years of it, okay? Um, 
Charlie Dean as well. Just a couple of words on him. Do you think he's going to play uh, in round one? I think he is pretty secure. A couple of words. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dean should play. I think he's... Well, I mean, he was in like our best 22 side until Rafford comes back. Rafford's due back like round four. I mean, Howe's already injured, so who knows with Collingwood's back line with injuries and stuff like that. Dean will get the first four weeks. I'll pick him as 102k. He might get dropped, but throughout the year, he probably comes back just because we have so many injuries all the time. So, yeah, definitely pick him. JB Lipinski, though, 350-odd K. How did you see his game? Look, he he dominated, and I, I like Lipinski because he's got the the good midfield stocks, um, and he just he's the type of guy who wasn't in the right situation, and he's come to a new club, and and there's no reason for Collingwood to not put him in the right situation, right? Um, but I worry. I, I think I think he also played enough forward line for me to be concerned, and I think he's going to be on a team that doesn't win a lot of games, and I think that's concerning enough um, for someone around his price. Um, what do we need? 95 plus room. I, I just think he's going to be at least a year or so away from doing those sorts of numbers. But I, I like the potential. I like the player. Um, just not for a super coach pick this year. I think he'll fall between 90 and 100 average. Um, there's a chance that he breaks out entirely and goes like 105 plus. I can see that happening. But at the same time, I feel like that's just a smaller percentage play. Um, I don't think he's a bad pick, but I feel like he's going to be a better, like, AFL fantasy pick or dream team pick than than a super coach pick. So it's kind of where I stand with it. JB, I'm I'm not going to circle fully back to Pendlebury, but I will say it's Please he's going to be a he's going to be an interesting one to talk about once he gets DPP. Yeah, and where uh, he kind of lines up in that. Yeah, I just wanted to rule him out for a starting spot. Yeah. Um, besides that, that, I think all eyes on Pendles for the for the first six weeks at the very least. Yep. Um, okay, so Hawthorne just quickly on a couple of their um, rookies. Um, I don't think Ward was amazing, but he wasn't terrible. I think he grew into the game and definitely did well with CBAs. Um, currently, he's on the outside of my midfield looking in, um, but I think a lot can change in the next game when he gets his feet under him. Um, he did have a wing role for the most part, so he's got the promising role, but he just needs to cement himself in the best 22 and show that he can accumulate the ball without having to rely on the CBAs, which I, I just don't know how many he gets throughout the season. Um, McGuinness, I think, is a complete non-option. Um, just wasn't quite up to scratch. I, I don't think he's going to be in their best 22. Um, the promising one is McDonald, um, who just pretty much got amongst it. Um Essentially, as far as far as we can say for a rookie getting amongst it, I think he was well and truly good enough to cement himself, hopefully, a best 22 spot. Just another one to watch. Um, I think all three of them are watchable in the next preseason game, um, but I think the order is going to go for us uh, in likeliness of starting in round one. I think it's McDonald, Ward, and then far, far behind is McGuinness. Yeah, McGuinness is not an option for me. Um, just was not there. Um McDonald probably had like, I don't know, 10 to like 12 touches or something like that. Just eye test again, but he used the ball very well. Um, probably a, a score between 50 and 60 mark. I think that's probably what he's going to go. So like a, a slow burn, but he's going to get us, you know, 100 plus K. And I think he should play as well, which is obviously a positive. Ward was terrible. He was so bad, man. Like his first... I think four touches were clangers. Um, he definitely was sitting at negative super coach points at going into the third quarter. 
Um, and then they started playing him a little bit on ball and he started to look a little bit better. But his role is amazing. Like he was on the wing all day and then got CBAs, which is exactly what I wanted. But he just looked awful. So and it was a bit, bit slow for the game. Um, I think that might have been a wake-up call he needed and he's definitely on the watch list for next week but I took him straight out of my side after that yeah, one so did I um, okay so we're going to touch on the, the I think there's two players to discuss um, besides that first of all Tom Mitchell um, I just wanted a few words on and how you thought he performed in the loss he started more half forward than I would have liked to have seen I think they were testing something though with Newcomb Warpool and Diego Mira in the middle, so I don't know if that's just because they're playing around, which it felt like because Titch went back in there in the third and fourth quarter. Hawthorne played their A-side for longer, um, and he dominated when he was in there, but he completely disappeared in the first two quarters um, when he was off the half-forward, so probably enough that he has scared me a little bit off it, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm completely off. I think if you go and look onto last year and the year before, um, statistic essentially what he scores in wins versus losses. It's it's on fan footy down the very bottom. Um, he can, he scores considerably worse in losses, and I don't think that's the be all and end all. Um, I just think it's enough to bump him down to a one ten or, or at best one fifteen. Um, whereas I think a lot of people are picking him for a one twenty plus. I, I just don't think he gets there this year with Hawthorne. Um, probably not having a great season if I'm being polite. So. Um, that moves us on to James Sisley. Um, had a good game, a very good game, I would say. Um, did get a 50-meter penalty for abuse, so we know the, the real James Sisley is back. Um, look, it doesn't change my perspective. I think he he just looms as an injury waiting to happen this season, even if it's only for a game or so. Um, and I'm I'm too concerned to pick him based on that. But if you do have him, and if you're not as concerned about the injury risk, um, I don't think he did a single thing to deter you from from selecting him in your team. If not, he probably locked himself in. Yeah, I was more heavily against Sicily until this week. I watched him play. I thought he was excellent. Um, I was recording his stats throughout the game as well. Um, he had 27 touches and eight marks, but it was, yeah, 22 at the three-quarter time when Collingwood players um, left the field. He was pretty much did doing everything that I wanted to see. Um, in terms of kickouts, I know people are interested in that. Um, there was three when Collingwood's A, a field was on, only three kick behinds kicked. Um, he took one of the three. One of them, he was standing on the mark and Bramble took the kick in. And the other one, he was on the field and Hardwick took it in. He was kind of in the pocket. I think some people online confused him for Frost. They kind of look similar from far away, uh, but he definitely was on field at that time. So... He's, he's not like the number one guaranteed going to take all the kick-ins type thing. Um, in the fourth quarter, they were playing a different mix. Bramble moved was playing up higher up the ground. Um, I'm not sure exactly where Hardwick was, but he took two kick-ins in the fourth quarter. But again, they had a lot of rookies and juniors around him. Not really sure how Day and CJ and Impey impact him if any maybe the kick-ins um, but in terms of actual role he looked really good don't have any concerns about him moving forwards um, I am considering him not he's not in at the moment but I, I'm going to watch him closely next week yeah okay 
Fair enough. I, I'm not going to talk anyone off of the pick if I see him in their side. Uh, he's just not for me personally. I'm trying to sort of rule out the ACL returning players, uh, especially if you're picking them for a premium season and you, you're sort of wanting them for 22 games. Um, maybe I get into some statistics about that closer to the, to the season, but it, it just it doesn't look good for them. Um, I'm going to flow through a couple of questions on Twitter unless there's anything else on that game you want to touch on. Um, I just wanted to make a note of the Reeves versus um, Lynch, Max Lynch battle. I know some people were hoping Lynch could, you know, get that mantle, number one Rex has. Didn't really look like it. Um, big boy McAvoy was rucking as along with Reeves in the first three quarters when it was the A crowd. And then, um, yeah, Max Lynch had his colours lowered a little bit when, when Grundy did come back on against him at times in the second half. I think um, Reeves was really much better than Lynch in that match. Perfect. Um, okay, I should put any discussion regarding Max Lynch behind us. Um, all right, I'm going to quickly rapid-fire a few questions at you. Um, by the way, I don't know if we mentioned Barry in the Brisbane game, did we? Oh, no, because we were going to circle back because it was so obvious Jared yeah. Barry, yes, 250-odd yes. K, was just like the best thing I'd ever seen since Butters, um, yeah. <laughs> since sliced Butters. Uh, yeah, look, he is a must select. It's not even a question. If you don't have Jared Berry on your side, go and put him in. If you have to remove anybody, pretty much still do it. Yeah, I think he picks himself super easy, priced incredibly well, had the role, ticked every single box, looked fit, um, has already averaged 95 in the past. He might be one of the lower risk and mid prices that we've seen in recent times. So um, definitely, definitely, definitely could not recommend him enough. So, now to float through a couple of um, what-ifs. So firstly, if you're going the big four midfielders instead of the big five midfielders, which we might have to considering Pruce is looking like a non-option, um, who do you fade and why? So this is a little bit as, as to what I've alluded to. I think a lot of people are, are fading Took in this matchup. I think um, if I can just say McRae and Steele and Neil are all uber-uber-locked in our sides. So I've really only seen Took versus Oliver discussed. Um in which case, I'm going to vote first pistol because I'm the host. Um, I don't think there's a single chance that I start without Took Miller this season. And that is a backflip. I, I was definitely Oliver um, and I was Walsh over Took. Um, but the more you read into him and the more you see him play, Took seems like he could be legitimately one of the, if not the, best scorer in the game this season. So um, I don't want to back against that upside. And as much as I love Clary and think he's great, um, he tends to circle around to 600K at some point. Um, and I don't think his role... Uh, sorry, I don't think his fixture particularly helps select him in our sides when comparing him to other players. So look, these are obviously both amazing picks, um, both essential to be in our teams at some point this season. Um a lot of people are just going with history and picking took over Clary, but um, I think I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna defy history and pick the guy who might average you know upward of 125 this year pistol. Yeah, so pe- yeah, people are going with Oliver over over took because of all the past you know history that we've seen from Oliver, and whilst Oliver looked unbelievable, I think I probably also have him in that fourth place. I mean, to be honest with you, I probably have Steele and Took as my one and two, and then I'm deciding between McRae and Oliver, and I'm choosing McRae because uh, of all those early games that I can lock 
McRae as a VC for the first half of the half of the year. So that's probably my tipping point there. It's all really close between all of those guys uh, for me. But yeah, I think unfortunately Oliver makes way. I I, I hate having to make Oliver like make way. I, I want all five of those so badly, and I I'm desperate to make it work. And that's why I wanted Proust so badly so I could have all five. But just doesn't look like Proust is going to get up for me, unfortunately. So that's my decision. So time be to watch decision. Jared Witz this week. Um, speaking of the rucks, the next one is to um, assess the ruck options beyond Grundy, who I think we can all safely lock into our sides. Essentially, Darcy, Gorn, Nick Nat, I'm going to put it down to. Um, just do a quick ranking, maybe a, a, a couple of words on each, but I think it's going to be quite predictable how you're going to go with this one, but go for it. Um, Gorn, Nick Nat, Darcy, I think. Durability problems. Wow. Durability that's, that's problems. Not predictable at all. <laughs> um, Darcy's can't he can't get through a season, and he gets so he's already been injured four times in like the preseason. Opposed to Nick Nat. Yeah, Nick Nat, twenty-two games. I, I I know what I saw. He looked unbelievably fit. It's been two years since his last ACL. He's in outrageous nick at the moment. It's only Darcy. That's four preseason injuries. It's a complete stay away for me. I think that's probably the order. And even so, I, I'm not even sure I'm going to go with any of them. I mean, I've been looking at Marshall. I've been looking at Wits. I've been, I mean, I was looking at Proust, obviously, which is a no-go now. So I'm just hoping an answer pops up for me out of the blue this weekend. Yeah, I think this discussion is best had in about exactly a week time, a week's yep. time once we've gotten through the, the other preseason games. So we will revisit this in a bit more detail. Um, Injury-prone forwards are looking great. How many can we start giving their history and DBP changes? Um, I I assume this is in regards to premiums, injury-prone premiums, maybe? Or just, I, I don't know. No, maybe not because mid-prices are cheap. Well, all I'm going to say is um, players don't really rule themselves or lock themselves in, I mean, unless they do like a berry. Um, a lot of players can rule themselves out, though. I think Rainer's ruled himself out already. Um, I think Gresham's ruled himself out. I think Kerno has ruled himself out with that injury. Um, I think... Goey will, will rule himself out or, or be close to that if he doesn't play in a single preseason match. Um, I, I just think players are slowly ruling themselves out uh, and we might not have to wait until it's if we're just picking the last men standing. So at this stage, I think Ralph Smith, um, Canelio is obvious and... Brody. Yeah, Kitty Coleman and Brody, I think, are the, are the four that are really hanging around uh, and, and exchanging in my team. Gov. And Gov, Gov is a like I said, backup to the backup. If if something goes terribly wrong, I can see myself starting Gov. So, well, then you've still got all the imagery prone premiums and Dunkley, Butters, Heaney, Trelaw, Dugowie. Yeah, so I think Dunkley's the obvious one. I think Trelaw's the obvious avoid there. Um, Butters and Dugowie with their price and upside. If we see, I mean, we've already seen enough. I think we Butters, wait till next week. Yeah, look, <laughs> it, it is the next week thing, but next. <laughs> oh, you asked me the question and now, you, now you're rushing me I didn't me even up. ask the question fine um, someone wants to know just a basic structure this is what we're going to end on um, just a basic structure how many premium players on each line um, then they say a nice few words so I'm going to shout them out Jason P thank you very much um, oh by the way someone else said kind words so I should shout them out Daryl Hall thank you for your comments as well um, thanks Daza so yeah Jason's asking about the basic structure and how many premium players we have on each line 
I think the most popular structures at the moment um, are, are drifting back towards the two premium Ruckman, um, which essentially forces you into the four premium midfielders plus um, Barry, Horn, Francis, and Dacos, and, and probably Stevens. So um, I think that's super, super popular at the moment is the, the four in the midfield, two in the Ruck line. Um, and then I think defender and forward um, players are sort of interchanging a little Just bit. To six pay- in total. Yeah, just six in total, and, and depending on the, what the rookies are doing or who's playing themselves in or out of your side, um, if Dugowie goes down, then I think I just go to a defender instead of trying to find another forward and, um, like for example, move Coleman or Paddy McCartan into my forward line. So I think they're super exchangeable, um, and you just need six in total. Um, Twelve premiums, I think, is exactly where everyone's going to end up. Um, 11 premiums for the riskier players, 13 for the people who don't want a, a rookie to score a single thing on their bench. So that's essentially where we're at so far, all subject to change in about a week's time. But um, I think that's the best possible review we could give at this point, Pistol. Great. I think uh, that'll about do it. It's been a long, long podcast. So thanks a very long podcast. Who, if, you want more, if you want more stuff, uh, you can check out some of our... Dr. Supercoach reviews uh, for the Herald Sun are on code. I think they're both put up in both of those places. Yep. Um, we just did a bit of review on some of the games, a bit of this stuff in written form um, as well. If you want to check that out, it's definitely uh, available there. Yeah, perfect. So, um, yeah, I think we're doing a lot. <laughs> Essentially, if you want content from us, um, a lot is going up on our Patreon. A lot is going up as uh, the code articles and uh, Herald Sun articles. And then we plan on getting at least bare minimum one more podcast out to the masses uh, via this method as well. So we appreciate everyone that signed up on our Patreon. We appreciate everyone who's listened to the full two hours on this one. Um, Obviously, information overload. I hope you didn't tinker with your team too much. Otherwise, you're going to have very sore thumbs. Um, that's going to do us for this episode, Pistol. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter. The main is at Dr. Underscore SC. I am JB underscore DRSE. You are Pistol underscore DRSE. And don't forget Chizo uh, with his Z <laughs> underscore DRSE. Um, he's going to be the one sitting through his edits, so we appreciate him. Um, and JB, if you want to yeah. add us into your leagues... Um, Absolutely. You can We're add, experts. We can right. add JB, myself... And Chizo, all three of us in the leagues. You go to League Tools, which definitely summarizes us, and then you go to Add uh-huh. Experts, and you can just click on us and add us straight into your leagues right now. Don't need to wait to try and uh, you know get a cheeky league code from us. Just add us into your league instead. Done. Perfect. Looking forward to beating all of you. Awesome. Um, and thanks to the Herald Sun for for the ad into the, the leagues. I think it's an awesome feature. So that's going to do us for this podcast. We'll probably catch you all early next week. Thanks very much. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.